0: I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Candare Podcast. How about you?
1: welcome to another episode of Canned Air, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us this week to talk about his comics Supermom and Delta Dawn, we welcome comic creator Scott Bachman. Scott, thanks so much for being here with us today. You're very welcome. Got a good show lined up for you. I say that every week, but I mean it every week. And uh, yeah, this week's no different. In our retro roundtable, you know, I saw something on the internet that kind of inspired this. uh, I just can't remember what it was it was something this month in pop culture history happened with Pixar I can't remember what it is but (laughs) I know Toy Story 4 is coming out so that's good enough reason to be talking about these uh, these movies I think can't believe they're doing another one I know we'll get on we'll talk about that I've got mixed mixed feelings but then in the uh, comic vault gentlemen what are we talking about
2: today all-star Superman number one special edition
1: Wow, every word in that was fantastic. <laughs> All-Star Superman Special Edition. Sorry, Randy. Oh, no, my bad. I've got a Doctor Who comic. Ooh, cool, Doctor Who. Yep. I don't know much about Doctor Who. I'll try and fill you in. Cool. A few of the things we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Scott and talk more about Supermom and Delta Dawn. But before we do all that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. If you like what we're doing here and want to show some love to your boys, go over to patreon.com forward slash candarepod and uh, become a patron. Become a founder, as we call you. For $5 a month, you get access to our Candare Patreon pod, the show you can only get there. And uh, we're going to, talking about putting some more interesting things up there. I don't know what said things are yet, but uh, we'll figure that out, won't we? We'll make it interesting. Right. And if you're going to a Wizard World con uh, in the near future, use promo code CANDARE at checkout. Get a cool 10% off your ticket prices. And if you've attended a con before, you know that every little bit helps. Yeah, so every little bit. do not forget that. CANDARE promo code at checkout. Anything else, gentlemen?
0: Yeah, uh, we have got. We just finished up uh, KorgsCon here. If you're in the area, we're going to be at Torgs, another video game convention mm. here, uh, July 6th in Newark. Um, also, uh, if you guys are listening to us on Facebook or Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us uh, some reviews, some uh, comments. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and we'll read them on the air.
1: There you have it. And with that, let's kick off this week's Retro Roundtable. Yeah. Retro. Engage. I'll be back. Shut up. Shut up. All right, guys, Shut Pixar up. and 3D animated films, uh, where should we start? About the beginning. Toy Story? <laughs> yeah, I
2: was hoping that was the right one.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there were little shorts that came before Toy Story. I mean, there was there was one called, I think, Tin Soldier, where... Have you
2: seen Do you have that DVD? I've got it. It's got like six small shorts, like um, early I th- animation.
1: I think it's a special feature on one of the Toy Story DVDs I own. Mm, I think it is too, yeah. But um, yeah, like the original concepts and uh, real was Woody as like this big menacing cowboy doll after the little tiny space ranger guy. You yeah. Know? But uh, it's interesting to see how things take form like that. But I was definitely the kid. Who was hiding down the hallway Sneaking up to his bedroom door To peek in And catch his toys doing something I mean, So many times <laughs> I did that when I was real young And uh, even last week No, not really But um, when that movie <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha! <laughs> but when that movie came out, man, it struck a chord With me, obviously Look like behind me, there's toys all over the freaking wall <laughs> Of
2: course it did But That was a mix between both the kids, Sid next door and Andy
1: yeah, you, you never fail to tell me how much of a Sid you were. <laughs> Especially when you're looking at my nicer toys. you like, you know, I'm kind of a Sid. Like, get the hell away
2: from it. <laughs> Setting up the G.I. Joes in tactical positions in the backyard and getting the BB gun out. Burning them with a the magnifying glass. Nah, I never
1: did I that. used no. to blow up army men with firecrackers, I guess. I did
2: do that. So, but not G.I. Joes. I put a firecracker in Michelangelo's hand and lit it. And about blew uh, my thumb off. Was, <laughs> and was it would have served you right for doing such <laughs> a. Oh, it did oh, serve God. me right for trying to do that. <laughs> such a horrible thing. Those wicks were quick as shit, man. <laughs> what was it, like an M- M80? Nah, I don't know, probably just a black cat.
1: But they yeah. the wicks. I had one <laughs> of those things go off in my hand once, and like I swore it blew my fingers off my mm-hmm. hand. But I didn't look at my hand. I just put it straight in my shirt, wrapped it up, and it's, like started screaming and when I looked my. at it. I was like. Oh, my hand's still there. Okay, (laughs) my thumb was the size of my head. It felt like I just couldn't feel my hand for a few hours after (laughs) that happened. But anyway, Scott, how about you? Any uh, Pixar films or just any 3D animated films that come to mind, sir?
3: Oh, I want to jump in on the destroying toys (laughs) because. Please do. I, I had a history of doing that quite a bit. My friend across the street had this giant dirt mound in the back of his yard. Now, mind you, this is rich suburb, Strongsville, Cleveland area. You don't have big piles of dirt in your backyard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not usually. No.
3: This well, He also had a couple of cars up on bricks that we used to play Dukes of Hazard where we'd leap between the cars because they weren't moving, but we could do that.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Man, that would have been fun.
3: We decided to recreate a few movies. So at one point in time, we took this giant, it wasn't a Barbie van, but it was some big, Metal van. You know, when they used to make toys out of things that mattered, right? You couldn't destroy them. And we filled it up with gasoline.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. holy shit! You made a rolling pipe bomb, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we
3: made a rolling pipe bomb because, you know, if we're kids. We just think it's going to go on fire as it's rolling down the uh, rolling down the dirt mound. And Vince, whose house it was, decided a firecracker was the perfect way to light it because you don't want to get close to the gas cuz it smells bad, right? Oh god. So he lights his firecracker and he throws it at the gas. The first one doesn't go off. It just I don't know if it bounced off. I can't remember what. But he did it with the second one and the gas didn't go boom, but it did
2: go a whoosh and a kind
3: of fireball slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go anywhere. Just a big fireball. And what does he do? He's mad at it, so he kicks it. No, <laughs> and the gas goes everywhere. Uh, and then he starts running around the house with his pants on fire.
2: Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> there's Meanwhile,
0: the there's a giant inferno mound of dirt in the background, huh?
3: Yeah, and uh, and his grandfather comes out yelling at him. <laughs> His, his grandson's on fire running around the yard, and all he could do is yell at him.
1: Jeez, what a sight to, to see. <laughs> oh, man.
3: So we were a little brutal to our toys. But
1: wow. I'm never, never going to forget that one. Yeah, I, I would say not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. that dwarfs any story I freaking had. And it just made me think. I, I saw on the news like two or three days ago a guy on the White House lawn set himself on fire. Did yeah, you guys see dead. that? Yeah. Did he die? Yep. Holy cow. Like, how could... Oh, like accidentals, one thing I get it. You're having fun <laughs> playing with gasoline, and shit goes wrong. But you know, to intentionally put yourself on fire, damn.
2: Hope he made his point. I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: whatever it was.
2: But Jack, what about you? You guys seen Rat Tattooey? Oh yeah, I've yeah. Never seen that one. I don't know anything about that. I know it's <laughs> why'd you bring it up Because it so <laughs> it's on this list of movies here. Was it good? I thought it was good It was definitely
1: not Was that a Disney Pixar? hmm Is it? Yeah. okay?
3: No, it was a regular Pixar
2: Was uh, it? Yeah, it was like, a Disney it was, okay. yeah, it was just a Pixar
1: It was good I thought it was good And it was like the rat, The mouse Or the rat Whatever he was Wanted to be um, A chef And so he would sit On You know Then this actual guy Who wanted to be a chef Couldn't cook Worth a shit So they teamed up The mouse would hide Under his hat And like Pull his hair and he would kind of puppet him into what? Yeah, yeah no
2: idea about that. So
1: <laughs> no idea. And I don't know if you remember, there was a book that came out, a Star Wars book that's canon, mind you. I think it was called The Legend of Luke Skywalker. I uh, had read. Did mm, I tell yeah, you you remember this? that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And they made a thing where Salacious Crumb had a mite sized like like a flea sized being that lived. Yeah. On him, that was aware and could talk, and like had been talking to Leia while she was, you know, Jabba's slave. But oh, then jumped on Luke's head and uh, pulled his hair <laughs> and made him beat the rancor in that pit. That's it. Crazy. Wasn't the Force? It was Loos. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Canon. Thank you, Disney. Wow. <laughs> that is a very appropriate reaction, Scott. Thank you.
3: No, that's just wow.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Randy, what do you got? Um, I know you guys have seen the Lego movies, but did you guys see Lego Batman? No. No, I haven't seen it Oh, you're missing out. It was hilarious. I
1: think I saw part of it on television or on streaming or something. I saw part of it somewhere. And though i enjoy that batman i think it worked better in the lego movie for me personally because it was small increments fair i enough. think mm-hmm. uh, it being the whole movie might have been a bit much for me personally but fair enough from what
2: i've seen robin's hilarious yeah I, there's parts in it that are i'm just sure they're all hilarious i'm sure it's a laughing. good movie yeah i'd like to see it from front to back i haven't even seen the second lego movie yet oh it's out mm-hmm. uh, yeah yep
1: really i i thought we were still waiting on it it's it's coming yeah.
2: on. That's on i know it's yeah. on Voodoo, yeah what? Really? <laughs> it's been on Voodoo yeah, for a It came long, out too. in the spring. Yeah. Oh, wow. Jeremy needs to come out from his Rock, <laughs> I guess. Wow.
0: Well, I'm a little tuned into those more because of my kids, but, you know.
1: No, I get it. I get it. I get it.
0: Well, here's
3: the thing about Toy Story, and you talked about kids just kicked it off. Up until Toy Story, nobody respected cartoons. They were only for kids.
1: That's true. Yep. Yeah.
3: And the weirdest thing was... This movie about toys, all of a sudden everybody now respected animation and you could make serious films. That yeah. movie changed everything.
2: It really did. I think it's part of the realism because, like, when that movie came out, a buddy of mine had just had a, a baby and some of the toys on the ground were like, hey,
0: yeah, it's right yeah, there on yeah. the floor.
2: Yeah i
1: remember uh when it came out you know i was uh i was in high school like i was fading out of like the disney movies because you know you know in my junior high years or elementary years coming up it was little mermaid beauty and the beast Mm -hmm. and all those big ones were coming out and uh, you know by high school obviously i wasn't watching them so i i didn't watch toy story and i remember a few years later my sister had it on vhs and i uh was bored, and I was like, well, I want to watch this. And it blew my freaking mind. I watched it so many times, and um, have been such a big fan ever since. I, I was one of the people sobbing, and, not sobbing, but I was crying in the theater for the third <laughs> one. That was God, that was heart-wrenching. I don't get it. You don't
2: get it? Not that crying part. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm a heartless bastard or something. But <laughs> you were blowing shit up in your backyard. That's probably I what mean, I, most I of the, the the Pixar
0: movies, like you tear up at. You can't help. Unless you don't have a a soul like some people. It was only the third one.
1: It was the third one. Him, like, letting go of him. Yeah. You know, after all those years, after all they'd been through, you know. And I guess that strikes me not even on a relationship like I have with a toy. It's just a relationship with anyone or anything you've ever had to say goodbye to, you know. It kind of really strikes that chord. That's fair. But um, I've never seen it all the
2: way through, like in one whole thing. <laughs> I've seen bits. I've seen the whole movie, but Get not out. all the way through. Pretty yet. Pretty that's much. why you that haven't taken why, yeah. the journey, Jack.
1: Now, <laughs> well, now he's tearing. Up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's reaming Joe. me over here. Yeah.
3: What's the name of the guy that voices the pig in Toy Story?
1: Oh, John Ratzenberg? That's it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: He's the only person that's been in every Pixar film. Yep. He's yeah. like their good luck charm.
1: They really? Put Is that every accurate? Movie. I didn't know that.
3: I was just trying to look it up to see if there was a movie he wasn't in, but for the longest time he was in every single Pixar movie.
0: Wow. So he, he was the pig. He was the flea in Bugs Life. The tractor trailer in Cars. I've
2: never oh, seen that's right. Cars. He was the he was um, the trailer that carried Lightning McQueen. See, that was one
1: I could never get into. Was Cars? Was he in the Finding Dory? I'm sure he probably was, but I can't remember who he was
0: in Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Was he the Ray? There was like the school bus? Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. Who else were we missing, Scott?
3: Uh, I don't know. I
0: was just trying to think of
3: some of the crazy <laughs> oh. <laughs> things that
0: Laura I've heard over the years. You're cool, like, man. I was just uh, every, watching. Every single one
3: of the movies, they sneak in the number of, it's like A113.
0: Yeah, yeah. wasn't that their like original design studio address or a, something?
3: It was a school that all animation people that have ever gone through California have gone through. Out. So everyone's taken that class. Gotcha. And so it shows up everywhere in every one of the Pixar movies. And I'll have to keep uh,
2: an eye out for that. I didn't know that. I just don't pay that much attention to movies sometimes to catch that little stuff in there. <laughs> You're there's not some, paying that much attention really to us. Cool You're looking at your phone. <laughs> no, i not. It's just on. <laughs>
0: I'm
3: have you heard the you theory sure. about how all Pixar movies are connected and they're all one
2: universe? I've seen a video <laughs> that about would that. Be so I, awesome! I
0: have, I have heard that. Don't they also? They also have a record of like putting like a, a Easter egg of their next movie in the previous movie, right?
3: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The really? Yeah. There's and the pizza truck
3: out. is in every movie.
1: That I was aware of the Yo truck, the Toyota truck that has the Yo on yeah. the back. Oh the yeah, pizza yeah, yeah, yeah. That truck yeah. <laughs> Oh, those are such good films. Finding Nemo, another solid film. Dory was good, but not as good as the first no, one. No, yeah, it was it was good, but it, mm-hmm. nowhere near. Yeah, Toy Story just seemed to hold its integrity through its sequels, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I never thought like uh, like each one was just as good, if not a little bit better. What's that?
2: I love WALL-E. wall wow, oh, yeah. is good. What a solid yeah. pick. Made humans look amazing in it. Hey, it's where we're heading. Buddy. I know it <laughs> is. It's like seven, what
3: the first 15 minutes with no talking? it's yeah. just a mm-hmm. robot and a cockroach in a garbage pit. <laughs>
1: Man, I forgot all about that film. I've only seen it once. I need to watch that again. I always forget about Wally.
2: Do you know about this, Randy? Because on this list of Pixar movies, there's one that's called Bernie. Is that a short that they did or something? Yeah, because
0: that's one of the characters from Wally.
2: Okay, what is it? Let me see.
3: Burning. Oh yeah, that's the little guy that kept erasing the treads. Yeah, that, yeah,
1: oh, that's <laughs>
2: right. I know kept that. I cleaning don't up after everybody. Him. That's one thing I love with all the Pixar's the, the shorts they have, like the birds, mm-hmm. the one with the little bunch of little birds and the big old well, whatever he was, big dumb dophy bird that would try to hang out with them. I don't recall that. Kept flinging him off the the telephone line because yeah. he was so big. <laughs> I remember the lamp and the ball?
0: Yeah, that was. I think that was their first short, wasn't it?
1: Probably. And, you know, I think Toy Story was a great. That's uh, for the birds. That's the one. Yeah, I haven't seen old. that. I think Toy Story was a great place to start for Pixar because, you know, although the technology was new and state of the art, you know, compared to what we're seeing now, it was really young. And to be animating, you know, just toys that have these smooth. Surfaces And mm-hmm. you don't have to put a lot of uh, I don't know You didn't see a lot of Andy's face Or his mother You know They were just kind of quick glimpses And as those movies went on And the animation gets better You start to see them more But in that first film I, I just think it was a great move To just have your focal point Be on these things That would be super yeah. easy to animate With, you know
2: The technology the way it was That's what has got better Between the Toy Story movies Is like the details in the background And then the people Yeah. Other than that, the toys look almost exactly the same. Exactly. Exactly. They also uh,
3: specifically built up different technologies for each movie, and they were planning long-term to be able to mature their own technology because they built all of their own stuff. Right. So they they invented the uh, fur technology for... Uh, Monsters, Inc.
2: Oh, that's they right invented for Sully.
3: Water Reflection and Bug's Life. And they kept building and building and building. It took a long time before they did a people-only film.
1: Uh, well, that would be, what, Up?
3: I don't know if Up was the first, but Up was recall. one of the rare ones.
1: You know, that film, and I'm not saying anything nobody else hasn't said a million times already, but Up, you know, I, I've seen it. and Squirrel? I, What's that? Squirrel. <laughs> <Whirl>? <laughs> oh yeah, the dog, right? Maybe we should make Jack wear the cone of shame. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember bits and pieces of it, but the opening—I mean, the heart-wrenching
2: opening. Yeah. I couldn't believe that when I first saw it because it was—I didn't watch it until it came out on DVD. And that first couple minutes, I was just like, "Oh my God! No. These aren't your mama's cartoons, Seriously. Jack. <laughs> Seriously." <laughs> what the hell? I didn't want her to be depressed. I wanted her to watch a good, heartwarming Disney movie. It is one. It, it is. is. Yeah. You
1: just have to have your heart ripped out before it gets yeah. warmed yeah, up. You know, tear you down and build you back up again. <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. <laughs> well put. Yes.
2: In my
3: days, we just had cross-dressing rabbits.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> and how I miss the cross-dressing rabbits. Seriously, you know, they, you just don't get it anymore. Somebody put on. Um, you know how on Cartoon Network, like back in the day, like they had a quick promo that would show like a movie theater seating area that had all their characters like sitting there talking, waiting for a movie to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, I think they still do that to this day with some of their characters, more modernized, but they compared the uh, two the other day on uh, like I, iFunny or something, I, Instagram, something I was looking at and it's crazy to see the integrity. I mean, I, maybe these shows that are on now are good, but like the characters were cut in half, if not. More so But like Johnny Bravo Samurai Jack The Powerpuff Girls Dexter And uh, Looney Tunes You know That's where Looney Tunes resided You could yeah. still get A healthy dose of it During the day I think if yeah. You know Set your DVR i missed that show so much They've
2: tried to Redo the Looney Tunes And it's
1: No it's, They they tried to ruin it And good. they did a good job Yeah Tried to make it uh piece Don't don't mess with the classic man. Mm. Come on You know I, I, I bought the DVDs I think I told you this Before they had a DVD collections come out and I was all about it and I bought the volume 1 Looney Tunes and I bring it home and I throw a disc in and what they've done is instead of, you know, how when you would watch, you know, Bugs and Daffy or whatever, it was you never knew what you were going to get. It could be mm-hmm. a Marvin Martian, Bugs Bunny, Yosemite Sam, Wile E Coyote, who knew? This whole first disc was nothing but Sylvester and Tweety like back to back. And I thought why wouldn't you just kind of mix them up? But yeah. And it was, because it was mixed like that, I didn't want to watch it, you know? It was weird.
2: I like the variety. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It'd be like getting a whole bunch of Coyote and Roadrunner. I could only watch so much Roadrunner. Right. they're funny, but, like, some of the old ones especially, they're real hard to watch. I don't know. Because that, I don't know.
1: Tom and Jerry are good to
2: go back to It's, as the, well. sa- it's yeah. the same stuff over and over again, uh, yeah. And yeah you know. Tom and Jerry depends on who was the artist doing them, because there's some of them that I don't like the 70s were rough
1: man for Tom and Jerry I mm-hmm. think late 70s early 80s excuse yeah. me but like the 60s and early 70s the, when did he come on the? when did they come on the air I don't even recall I have no clue it had to have been like early early to mid 60s I would think probably right? yeah probably but anyway the early days <laughs> that animation was freaking awesome and I think that's when they were fun that they're funniest the the sound like of them yelling like when they get hit on the toe or something or the tail the Tom screen the just the, yeah <laughs> Yeah, just, those are the good loved ones. Loved that. Yeah, it was so good. So good. I'm sorry, I'm hogging the microphone here.
0: Uh, who would like to go next? I just want to pose a general question, and Scott, I'd love to get your take on this. Since Toy Story, it just seems like a lot of new cartoons that are being theatrically released are digital.
1: That's one point I had right here. I mean, and it's just like Scott was saying earlier, it changed Everything, right? I mean, you might have seen one or two, like two dimensional hand drawn animation like films, like Princess and the Frog was the last one I remember, wasn't? I uh, think that was the last. Uh, one, when yeah. did that like Atlantis? uh What was it? Atlantis the Lost Empire, something like that. Wasn't there wasn't like a flying ship yeah. or something. Yeah. That was kind of like a two D meets. There kind were of 3D. some three D elements in there, yeah. But those are like the last
0: few I can recall. I guess what I was going to ask is do you guys think we're going to see like a complete deviation from that art yes. style?
1: I mean, at least, at least in, <laughs> no, 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 not from that art style. I, in Disney films and okay. like mainstream cartoons, yes, but I could be wrong. I could well, be Well, Disney, t- Disney went, I think it's
3: almost pure digital. They fired all of their cell animation people right. and they're doing everything with computers filling in the middle steps. And so I think the uh, Princess and the Frog was, I think you're right. That was the last one. that was hand-drawn.
1: I don't think much of any shows are really hand-drawn anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I know the Simpsons eventually switched over. Uh, you could you could tell, like, night and day when the Simpsons went from hand-drawn to digital. <laughs> and I think something was lost in that because some of those hand-drawn, you know, they would accidentally put, give them a blank stare or something mm-hmm. that would just set the tone for whatever was <laughs> happening. It's like... Look how stupid Homer looks
2: right now, you know? Especially looking at the old, early ones, like even the Tracy Ullman Homer, The Simpsons. Oh my like, God. There'd be times where, be like,
1: nothing. a different character would be talking. Your focus would be there, and you'd watch Homer's eyes just, like, not go crossed in the middle, but, like, <laughs> just both look off. different.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: <funny>. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll probably see some 2D animation in some form, but uh, again, maybe independently done. Yeah. Um
3: they're even, they're even doing stop motion digital now And they're just recreating the objects and doing them stop motion
0: Really? Oh.
3: Well, in the, in the Lego movie what it, It's yeah. it's all oh. 3D Legos
1: Yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point I didn't you think about that mm. Is there anything they can't do? <laughs> you almost think, what's the point? But it there's something about that stop yeah, motion Because it looks
1: and... fucking awesome yeah. That's <laughs> what the point is, yeah It really does But yeah, you would never think of that, you mm-hmm. know I have seen Toy. Are
3: we allowed to talk Endgame? Is that too soon?
1: Go right ahead. No, no, for it, man. We've been talking Endgame.
3: The digital de aging that they did in some of those scenes was just freaking amazing. You couldn't tell.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like with Hank
0: Pym. Uh, yeah,
1: oh yeah. My Hank God. Pym.
3: That was. Like I think he just came off romancing of the stone just for Hank Pym.
1: Kurt Russell in the Guardians movies. Mm-hmm. How about that? Like oh, those yeah. opening clips. I mean that that was young <laughs> Kurt Russell. <Yeah. laughs> that was crazy. He spoke out
2: loud seeing that. Oh my god, look at him. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I mean they did that with um I sorry, we're deep diving here, but with Rogue One with the grand
1: uh Toffit the Oh Tarp uh Tarpon or Ye- not Tarpon, uh Oh, you said it to Tarkin. Tarkin. Tarkin yeah. Thank
2: you. Yeah. He was... He was totally CG, though. Yeah. He was totally dead. Yeah. And
1: when I first saw him, I had to squint. And, you know, about 30... Well, in, in, in under 30 seconds, I could tell all this dude's completely CG. But he still looked amazing. Yeah. It's all in the mouth, usually. The yeah. The their mouth moves. I just think if you're going to be that bold with your CG... You shouldn't put such a spotlight on it like they did with like Leia at the end of that film. Mm-hmm. She looked good. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But uh, I don't know if they would have maybe took some of the light away. They didn't make Put it her under so some shadow. Yeah. Maybe took the camera a little bit farther away. But you're like in her grill. So, you know,
2: it's really obvious. They still did a better job than they did with Superman's mouth, though. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That wasn't even a job. That was just a a fiasco. That was horrid. I think uh, SpongeBob's intro is better done than
1: Superman's. (laughs) And it was so funny because, you know, I didn't see that film until it was already out of theaters. Uh, I didn't care. And when I was watching it, I hadn't, since I didn't care, I hadn't been looking into it. I didn't heard anything about the CG mouth. I knew nothing about it. And I just was watching it, and I started to notice. And I was like, the fuck's going on with this guy? Like, <laughs> What's on his lip? And I started to think, well, maybe they just CG'd his mouth, but then like, I stopped myself, like, well, that's
2: preposterous. Why would they do Why that? They, yeah, you know? He had a cold sore or something, maybe <laughs> covered it. Well, but, and,
3: and the movie he grew the mustache for, The Mission Impossible. Yeah. Right. He looked like a porn star throughout the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they went with that look.
1: I don't know. I don't know. that. I, I got to say, that movie was fucking awesome. Mission Impossible. Uh, Yeah, it was an odd look I will give you that Because it never stopped It never did like resonate with you Like every time He came screen You're like Oh yeah, mustache Keep waiting for the Bound to go (laughs) (laughs) But um, that is still Actually I was kind
3: of hoping Like when they pull off The face And it reveals Somebody underneath He was just going to Rip off his mustache And say I'm hoping (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh my god That's awesome Anything else gentlemen? No, we covered them Toy Story very well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think
0: we got everything there. Have you guys seen the uh, teaser trailer for the new Pixar movie, Onward?
2: No. I I, I might have, but I, I just
0: need a refresher. Have you seen it yet, Scott? I do, and I can't remember
3: anything about it. That tells you how much <laughs> I really loved it.
0: So, from what I gathered, I just watched it before I came over tonight, um, it's like a road trip movie, but it's set in a world where, like, magic and has, like... um, Oh, yeah, the suburban one. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, medieval... magic in suburbia. Exactly, yep, and they're on, like, some road trip. Um, But (laughs) the scene that, like, was cracking me up was one of the... They're two brothers, two ogre brothers, I think, going or an elf brother, maybe. Anyway, they're going on a road trip, and the one brother's walking out to throw something away, and there's, like, something in the trash can, and it cuts over, and it's a bunch of unicorns acting like regular raccoons (laughs) it's just it
1: cracked me up (laughs) no I'll look it up I haven't even heard of it not at
2: all you know one of the best Pixar things that I've always cracked up on is the seagulls from uh
1: mine 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 Mine. oh god all the time (laughs) they uh turned the what is it 2,000 3,000 leagues under the sea I can't remember what is it What's the name of the movie? Help me. The, the league I think it's two thousand. Two thousand Leagues Under yeah. the Sea. There was a ride at uh, Disney California. Okay. Where and this is an old ride, where it's like a, it's a submarine. You uh, get in, and it's just barely, you know, it's right underwater. Right but yeah. through special effects and bubbles and stuff, they make it look like you've really submerged deep under, you know, into the ocean and. The old ride had all these, like, cheesy, like, fake rubber octopuses under there, and they made it look cheesy, but they have updated that into a Finding Nemo thing, and and now, you know, you go underwater and still experience part of that cheesiness, but now it goes into a dark area where there's nothing but, like, screens around you, and, like, the animated fish are swinging up to the windows and talking Mm, to you and stuff. That's cool. It's neat looking. I've I've never done it, just seen it. But um, while you're waiting in line, you know, you're waiting in line on a like a harbor, like a dock. Okay. And there's a bunch of animatronic seagulls out there. Mine, mine, mine. Just always <laughs> screaming. It's funny. Oh, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that'll uh, probably do it for our retro this week. But I think that was a well-rounded Pixar conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. right? All right, very good. And with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Who would like to go first this week? The second-to-last comic vault we'll ever do.
2: Oh, my. Did you it's think about ever that? Do. Dun, dun, dun. Well, the segment itself's going away, Jack. Well, yeah, but it'll be here and there, right? No. no, well, we're not going to do it at all anymore? We're still going to talk about comics, but okay. it's
1: just going to be one big free-flowing conversation gotcha. instead of breaking it up into segments. Okay.
2: So... Would you like to go first this week, since you've been uh, out? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go first. Do it. So I've got this. Was another one of those Ollie's bargain basement mm. five for. You've been making deal. the fuck out, haven't you, <laughs> no. <Off> old Ollie? <laughs> so that was a Superman All Star Special Edition. It came out apparently when uh, Man of Steel came out back in right. a little bit, and it was a free issue. But it starts off. You see a big old sun, and there's this uh, spaceship flying towards it. Well, it gives kind of a, a back history of Superman, of course, getting away from Krypton, because I don't know if anyone knows that he's an alien that was sent to Earth. Oh, Spoilers! Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but there's this spherical spaceship flying to flying to the sun. There's a group of scientists on there, and one of them wants to map the sun just for just science thinking. sake, pretty much, yeah. In there, there's one scientist that he starts talking about he's going to hit critical mass, and he starts morphing into this big Grizzly-looking mush monster thing, and <laughs> no. Next thing, he's like, "I'm going to blow this thing up," and next thing you know, Superman shows up, and he's like, "No, you're not. I'm here." Well, come to find out later on that it's Lex Luthor is controlling this guy. The the guy in the ship is some genetically enhanced human. Of course he is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Lex Luthor. Was going to go to jail But he said that he was going to be good Like he does And instead he built this computer on this ship That was going to Along with this genetically engineered scientist To blow up I don't know if it was supposed to Take out part of the sun or something like that Or ruin part of the way the sun shines on the earth To destroy the earth But he knew Superman was going to be there Superman gets in the fight with the guy on the ship Jettisons out Superman blows the guy towards the sun The guy blows up And once Superman comes back on the ship, they're checking him out, make sure he's okay. And they find out that Superman has supercharged his body so much with the sun's radiation and from that nuclear explosion from the guy that his cells are overpowered and starting to die. So Superman's actually starting to find out that he can die. So he goes back to Earth and goes back to the old daily planet, almost gets fired from Perry White because he's late. This sounds familiar. Does it? Very familiar. And Go on, ahead. On the way home he's you know walking with Lois back home and bringing her home and he's just like, "Hey Lois, I got to tell you something." And she's rattling on about you know the next big news report and he's like, "No, just hold on. I got to I got to tell you so, something." And rip o- rips his shirt open. I think and they made a movie of this. An Was animated it? film. Wasn't there an animated film
1: All-Star Superman?
0: Yeah, the one with the big robot?
1: I animals. remember nothing about it But as he's telling me this like I feel like I've seen all this nice before actually,
2: yeah.
1: I'm hmm. going to have to look that up Same here Yeah, because that was an interesting concept Like It was his uh, some like Version of cancer that he could get It was like eating at his uh, blood cells right? Mm, yep. yep, that's
2: exactly what it was okay, It was yeah, kind of weird At the <laughs> same time Because the way that it's almost drawn Like it's back in the 20s Okay, but cleaner with more detail. I don't know, and just the way Superman looks, he he looks like he did, like he's from like the old serials type. I don't You're know, talking like golden slash silver age Superman. Yeah, is what, yeah, I can see that. Kind of like how the uh, the animated series was Superman, how everything, even with uh, the dark or not Dark Knight, but Batman, everything looked like it took place there. But even though they have mm-hmm. like super. Super new technology.
1: Yeah, Batman especially was set hardcore in the uh, what was it, forties, fifties? I mean, with all the cars like that were running around Gotham, mm-hmm. like old mobster kind
2: of stuff. Yeah, you
1: know.
2: it's so weird that DC always stays in that time period, but Marvel will go. You know, future, and it works. But you can't go backwards with Marvel because it doesn't work as well, I think.
1: I think it works better for Batman, you know. with uh, His high-tech gadgets nowadays, you know, the farther we go into the future mean less and less, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know, but in those days, you know, mean a lot more. And, I mean, that's where his origins are, right? right. Yeah. So... Any, no that's way. it, All Star Superman Special Edition. Sweet, it was Very free. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. <laughs> All right, Scott, would you like to go next?
3: All right, I'm holding my hand. The original death of Captain Marvel. Oh wow! Oh.
1: Now, are it's you talking like
3: '95 back then? That was huge.
0: Like Shazam, Math Captain experience. Marvel. That's the one where Death is holding him, right? Lady this Death. This is the one where he dies. Okay, but the cover is Lady Death holding Captain. Yes. Marvel. Okay. Captain Marvel's,
3: yeah, basically dead, sitting in the lap of Lady Death, and all the Marvel heroes and going, Whoa! but not only is this a classic Jim Starlin trippy as all heck comic, it's really about Thanos, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because, you know, it's it's about Captain Marvel dying from cancer, which first of all was the most brilliant thing that had ever happened in comics. Nobody dies from simple stuff in comics. Right. And here he was dying from cancer, and the reason he was still alive is his negabans were keeping him alive. And if you removed him, he'd be dead. It's, his own powers was keeping him alive long past when they could have cured the cancer. So by the time they realized he had cancer, it was too late. And that's pretty much every cancer diagnosis. Once, yeah. After a certain point, it's too late to do anything. And it ends in the trippiest way after he passes on. He has a last battle with Thanos in the afterlife. And then they walk off together, Thanos, Captain Marvel, and Lady Death. And it's just, you're never gonna see this. I love the movie Captain Marvel, but nothing in this book will ever happen now in the MCU
1: yeah and how amazing it would be to see something like that mm-hmm. you know on the silver screen for sure i I've heard of that book before now now Thanos being in the after realm, is he like courting lady death at this point or
3: oh this this is right after the Avenger storyline where it literally was a sequel to the Avenger Storyline where they defeated Thanos, and at the start of the comic. Thanos has been turned to stone, and he's bringing uh, the, the other Titans to go see the body and claim it and bring it back home. And mm. it's just trippy. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was rare that you had a two-part comic in those days. And the uh, first Avengers versus Thanos two-parter was, was epic in its own right, and then it got its own graphic novel sequel. But that was Jim Starlin. He, he could never leave anything alone. He always had to add more and more.
1: I think I have a reprint of Avengers vs. Thanos around here. You remember, uh, and I think they still do it, actually, to this day. Uh, Marvel, especially if their title's going to be in the theater, they'll pump out classic number one reprints for mm-hmm. a dollar a piece. Yeah. They just said True Believer across the top. I've got so many like uh, reprints of classic comics that yeah. way. Um, I think I got that book that way. I'll have to go look for it. I would love to read that.
2: It's like World's Get Greatest Comics is always at the, the new movie releases and stuff in the theater. Yeah, We've got a table there.
3: <clears throat> Every move is blocked by the insurmountable obstacle Marvel's <laughs> <laughs> And When was the last time you saw Doctor Strange in all caps, big bold words? And it didn't involve Crimson Sidorak or something.
1: Couldn't tell you. Uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Every cosmic character you can think of was in this comic.
1: I I'm thinking of a uh, infinity gauntlet. Like when, uh, I guess this is the only time I've seen all those cosmic entities together when, uh, they come to challenge Thanos and then he takes on the same kind of a form before Nebula, you know, nabs yeah. the gauntlet off his hand. But, uh, are, are you, are those beings, are those the beings you're seeing?
3: Um, they get referenced because this happens not too far after that. I but, see. uh, you see the supreme intelligence. It, you, you get a tour of all of Marvel's lo- Captain Marvel's life. And the best part is Rick Jones crying at the end. And remember when Rick Jones was an everyday in comic? He I don't recall, the yeah. He was Captain America's sidekick. Uh, he used to have the team network that Captain America would use to find out everything. <laughs> via no. their ham radio connections.
1: <laughs> How convenient I mean, for Captain, Captain Marvel America. for
3: a long time by like, clapping his hands together and switching into the Megaverse or whatever it was.
1: No, no, you're you're going down an avenue I'm not even aware of. You no, said Rick his Jones name was Rick Jones? Everywhere.
3: Oh, yeah. How do you not know Rick Jones?
2: I, I don't. thinking of Rick James.
3: <laughs> Rick, Jones. Rick Jones was gone from the comics for so long that in the uh, original Jessica Jones storyline, the original investigation was what happened to Rick Jones. And he turned into a, a folk singer and was singing in dive bars with a classic guitar, singing about the Avengers and all the stuff he'd been through.
1: Really? That sounds freaking and, awesome. That's right up your alley, Jeremy. Yeah, it kind of <laughs> is. In the, what a change. And they did
3: bring it, no, they did bring it back in a, in a recent epic. It was where the... Right around with a cosmic cube made cap evil. Rick Jones was a super high tech hacker for some reason. I can't remember what changed him into it, but he was the hacker for Shield. And he was running around through the whole thing and it turned out to be a double agent or some weird stuff.
1: Oh, Sounds really good.
3: Oh, Rick Jones. You can't know Marvel without Rick Jones unless you're just an MCU fan. He's not in.
1: No, I, 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 the name's familiar, but I cannot think of uh,
2: who he is. Yeah, I might recognize him if I saw him. But Rick I don't Jones the was, name.
3: Rick Jones was the dumb kid that wandered into the uh, gamma testing site that Bruce Banner went to save, and became the Hulk in process because he stuck him in a refrigerator, and somehow that protects you from nuclear blast.
2: <laughs> of course, an old fridge. You
3: say well, he was. I don't know if it was an old fridge, but he put him in something and Banner was the one exposed. And so rick Jones Maybe that's
1: up. how I know him. I think I have a what if where it switches that scenario. If Rick Jones had taken the Gamma Blast instead of Bruce Banner. Does that sound familiar? It
2: does sound familiar, yeah. actually.
3: And he got hulked out at one point in one of the storylines. He became a hulk for a while. I think Maybe he became he just... an abomination for a while, too. That's crazy.
1: That's probably how I know him, because I definitely know the name. I'm going to have to go dig through my comics. That's it. <laughs> not, I mean, not right now, but I'm going to.
3: But the weirdest Rick Jones story is there was a teen network that would be on ham radios that would feed Captain America crime stories and would investigate for him. And Rick Jones was the head of it.
2: It's kind of like the microchip of yeah, Captain yeah, sure. America. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'm,
1: yeah, I'm gonna look more into Rick Jones. I need to. I think I need to know more. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a novice. <laughs> if I don't, right? Look up Rick Jones. Bitch. Rick Jones, bitch. All right. <laughs> Very good. I think we have an episode title there you right go. <laughs> <laughs> Randy, what do you got for us this week?
0: All right. So I've got a Doctor Who comic from Titan Comics. The tenth um, Doctor. They're the ninth, ninth Doctor. Doctor. Ah. So, Christopher Eccleston. I he was looking right. for a tenth Doctor because I love David Tennant, yeah. but the, this is who I found. So <laughs> um, it's just kind of standard Doctor Who fare. Um, they're on a spaceship fighting a uh, big devil-like monster, and then the Cybermen make their appearance and pretty much assimilate a lot of the crew. And was
2: it with Rose or
0: uh, yeah, Rose is in there. Yep. In. You, the, the the art style is really nice. But uh, yeah, it's just standard Doctor Who stuff But um, the thing that I like most about the Doctor Who comics Is they're able to kind of expand the the stories of each individual Doctor And kind of give you some more filler if you have a particular favorite Mm -hmm. I was always partial to 9 and 10 myself I warmed up to 11 and 12
2: Yeah, same here Still not sure about Capaldi, but
0: Capaldi was okay when he whipped out the guitar. He, that sold me on him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and those sonic sunglasses, I like, yeah, tough with those. I know nothing about Doctor Who. <laughs> we'll get you acclimated.
0: You uh, you watch Doctor Who at all, Scott? I have seen all of Doctor Who, at least all the
3: ones that are available to see.
0: Who are your favorite? Do you like pre revival, or are you more the new stuff, or? Anybody that's watched it as long as I am is going to say, Tom Baker, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's Tom Baker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I love Kirchwee. Okay. He was the original Cranky Doctor. Right. And he would Venusian Karate people, which is just freaking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Sylvester McCoy. He had the worst, one of the worst runs of any Doctor. The worst stories, just abysmal.
0: That was but right his- before. That was the doctor right before the uh, they yeah, kind of shut the down. That killed it. <laughs> Yeah, and that was that was the one right before the 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 USA movie, right? Yeah. Jeez. Okay.
3: And uh, he played Radagast the Brown in the Tolkien movies. That's right. Okay. Which was horrible. Oh god. <laughs> but there was something about Sylvester. They were leading up to the thirteenth Doctor, where he turns evil. They had just done the entire serial story where the 13th Doctor was the Valiard and he was evil. And Sylvester's entire run was this borderline between bumbly, happy, jokey Doctor, but sinister underneath. And he did an episode with the Cybermen. It was like the 30th or 50th anniversary of the Cybermen. It had to be 30th. Okay. And he manipulated everything to destroy the Cybermen. At the last moment... He, he reveals all the chess moves that he was doing behind the scenes. And he was like
0: whoa. Yeah, yeah. I I I've, I've saw a couple episodes with with um him and yeah, it's uh I remember he was more like the chess master than some of the other ones were.
3: Yeah, he was he was a lot more like the master than he was the doctor. Right. But the the new ones um Tenant it, it's Tenet's my number 2. Yeah. Yeah, Tenant was a good doctor. Mm-hmm. Have you guys listened to any of the radio dramas?
0: I've listened to a few of them. Hmm.
3: I'm going to blank in the guy's name that did the American movie.
0: Is that Paul
3: McGuinness? Yeah, Paul McGuinness. It's a shame he didn't get a series, because they gave him an entire season
0: on the radio dramas. He was damn good. And they were excellent. Yeah, I, I heard a couple of his. It, and then it's he, a shame he didn't get a chance. He was, But he also did like a little short before... Um, Oh crap! One of the the Christmas episodes, I think, too. Didn't he? Didn't they bring him back? Yeah, they brought him back for a little teeny bit. I think yeah. it was yeah for the day of the Doctor, right? Yes, it was. I don't remember when it was. I think it was the day of the Doctor because that's when he turned into um, the War Doctor, who was played by yes, a, yes. Oh, crap, you what got him! Oh, the War Doctor was awesome. Yeah, I can't remember the actor that played him though. Well, William Hurt or something? That's yeah,
3: it. That's yeah. It. yeah. Oh, War Doctor was so good. We'll, we'll, I like it Doctor.
1: Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Very good. So Doctor Who on uh, Titan Comics, right? Yep. Very good. Art working. That's pretty good. All like right,
0: I'll, I'll tell you the
3: worst episode of Doctor Who. And it was a Tom Baker one, and there's been a lot of bad ones. There was a time when he was in a... It wasn't quite an alternate universe, but it was a parallel universe, and he ran into the space vampires, It's not just space vampires. These were vampires the size of a planet. They were the origin story of all the horrors of the undead vampires. They were all distant myths of these great vampires. And they originally terrorized the Gallifreyans. And the only way that they could stop them was with ram ships, which were giant pointy ships that they smashed into the heart of the vampires. That's awesome. (laughs) Imagine the epic of a planet sized vampire that you have to kill with a spaceship by sh- plunging it into your chest. <laughs> and that was the best storyline you could come up with.
2: <laughs> to try that against Galactus anytime he comes around. I know, right. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Very good. Any more?
1: Any more on Doctor Who?
2: Nah, no, nope. that's it. All what right. do you got there? What I have
1: here is something I uh, found in the uh, basement of Backrats, Rats, as always. But uh, it's something that I had missed out on during its original run, only because so many people were dogging it, was the Superior Spider-Man. And I don't know who all is familiar with the Superior Spider-Man. but You finished that, right? I got in on the tail end yeah, of it, right when end. it was wrapping up during Goblin Nation. Yeah.
0: It was- that Doc
1: Ock, it yes. was Spider-Man? okay. Yes, Doc uh, Doc Ock was on the, his deathbed and had found a way to transfer his consciousness into Peter Parker. And uh, the story went on for a year, year and a half. Okay, that way untouched, and uh, through through uh, Spider Verse and all that stuff, it went through. It was re- it was good after I went back. But um, anyway, I found this annual uh, number one annual, and those are just you know a little bit thicker bigger story and I wanted to read this and I want, after I read it I wanted to bring it here because I've always kind of told you know what separated superior Spider-Man from the amazing Spider-Man this book does a good job of showing <laughs> why he's so, uh, so awesome so you know again like I said Otto Octavius's mind and conscious is in Peter Parker and okay. in doing so he said I'm gonna do this job way better than Peter Parker ever could and uh, that's kind of what's happening here. The world thinks that Peter Parker, who now is like a big CEO of his own, uh, you know, robotics, scientific research and development uh, company. And as far as the public knows, it's Peter Parker who supplies the Spider-Man, which everyone fears now okay. with all his tech, his spider bots, because now he has little spider robots that canvass the city. He's everywhere, you know? All right. And uh, this book picks up with him on his way to Aunt May's house. Uh, Aunt May and her new husband. I can't remember what his name is here. It's irrelevant. Anyway, um, he's kind of in narration saying how much he cares for them. And it's an odd thing because it's not his family. It's Peter's family. But they never allude to it. But I think the reader is supposed to kind of pick up. This is Peter... Pushing back, you know, because Peter's still in there. Okay. Peter's still in his head, just suppressed. Right, and um, throughout the series, you can see moments like that where his Otto's thoughts are questioned, or his, you know, meth, mo, or like his, he's
0: second guessing himself. Thank you,
1: thank you. Yes, and uh, you always think that's Peter trying to get back. Gotcha. You know. But, uh, you know, again, he's uh, caring very much for them and her new husband saying, listen, you working with Spider-Man is going to be bringing a lot of people around. We're worried about you. And, uh, you know, I'm worried about us and her. And he's like, I promise nothing will ever happen to uh, your wife, my aunt. And um, there's this this entity out there, half person, half demon, who looks a lot like Michael Morbius. I was just going to say Morbius is not Morbius. I mean, look at that picture. Tell me it doesn't look like Michael Morbius. Oh nice. yeah.
2: Morbius. Yeah.
1: But his name is Blackout, and he's an assassin that is out to uh, make his name known with murder again. M- he wants his reputation back. Uh, the Kingpin had done something to take that reputation from him, but you know what? The Kingpin's dead. I think he's got to
0: build back a street cred.
1: By yeah. Spider-Man's <laughs> hands at that. So, uh, yeah, and he's on a job to find Peter Parker and threaten Peter Parker into telling Spider-Man, I want to face off with him. And so uh, he kidnaps Peter's Aunt May right after he had told her new husband, nothing's ever going to happen to her. I got you back. <laughs> and he's pissed. He's wicked pissed. And he he, he uh, is greeted with a burner phone. When he gets to Aunt May's house, The her husband's sitting there shaking. He's like, he left this for you. He's, he, he said to Keep this in your pocket, he will call you and tell you what to do. And so the phone rings and he goes, I have your aunt, don't try to track me. She dies. If I think you're on my trail, she dies. You know, here's what's gonna happen. Very specific set of rules, and I'll tell you when you can see her and find her. But from the second that phone rang, the spider bots that are canvassing the city. Knew right the hell where he was (laughs) Before he even said Don't think about tracing this call He had visual of him already driving the van It was crazy Something you have to see but He doesn't really still know how to fight this person Half demon Half person Has his aunt threatening to kill her at the drop of a hat and at one point, he's like, I'm going to go see Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange will help me out of this. And okay. he stops mid-swing. He's like, uh, I can't do that. If anyone's going to see through my facade, it's Doctor Strange. He's trying to approach it more in a <clears> cerebral <throat> fashion like Doc Ockwood as opposed to Spidey. Right, so he he's like, was... I'm in this on my own. Gotcha. And then he starts to question his own motives. He says, well... This is a bit selfish. There's this woman whose life hangs in the balance, and I'm thinking of my own personal welfare, and then you you see the Otto kind of take the thought back over, like, but no, Peter could never do this. i I got this way better than he does. So the grand finale, he shows up at the warehouse where he's holding Aunt May, breaks in. They have a tussle, have a fight. In this warehouse they're in, it's like an old meat packing plant, so there's okay. all kinds of chains and hooks hanging from the ceiling, which are going to... Just be all kinds of fun here in just a little bit. Anyway, he breaks in, beats the living piss out of him, and uh, sends Aunt May on his way. He said, ma'am, if you just walk you know, down the street, there's a police officer waiting to escort you home. So as she's walking away, he walks back. Spider-Man walks back into the barn. I'm, this is long-winded. I'm sorry, but this is so fucking good. And it's an <laughs> annual. He walks back in the barn, and the demon's on his back, You know, all bloody, kind of laughing. He goes, you can't kill me. I'm a, I'm a demon. And so he's like, yeah, you know But I can, I can still have some fun yeah. And he walks up and stomps On his legs and arms Fracturing them, breaking them all Picks him up and throws him Into these hooks until enough of them Have impaled into his back He's hanging there Just impaled yeah. And um, he's like Do you know who you're messing with? I'm a half demon, you know, I'm half demon And he goes, yeah I know what I'm messing with, the problem is you don't know who you're messing with. And all of a sudden, all these animatronic spiders like, come up over his back oh and start God. surrounding him. That's <laughs> awesome. And they all open their back to little like little Petri kind of dishes and tweezers and tools. And he goes, you know, I've never had the opportunity to study a demon. So we're going to do just that today. And he, he pulls out these big pliers and starts pulling his teeth out, his fangs. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And he's like, man, this one looks like it's made of the same thing fingernails are made of. But, uh... I'm gonna need another sample, and it keep, it cuts back to him. All his teeth are gone, blood pouring down his face, and he's mind you, a demon mm-hmm. pleading, <laughs> "Please, I will never bug you or Peter again. Please set me free. I, I will. I'll tell the world. Don't mess with Peter Parker and Spider-Man." He goes, "You definitely will tell the world, but not in the way you think." And this other spider robot walks up and opens its back up. Now, mind you, we said at the top, uh, he looked a lot like Michael Morbius. Mm -hmm. He has kind of the same traits. You know, he had the big vampire fangs. He can be hurt by the sun. Now, mind you, this fight's happening at night. But luckily, these spiders have little lights in them, little UV lights. Oh, jeez. And um, it doesn't show exactly what happens. But even better, you see Aunt May walking down the street and looking behind her. In the distance at the open door to this warehouse And just shrieks of screams Coming out And this You know by the end of this series The world knew not You don't fuck with Spider-Man There's even a part in this where Peter Parker Has his wallet picked off his person The, The pickpocket goes down the street Sees it's Peter Parker's wallet Runs it back to him and profusely apologizes Please don't send him after me Please don't send him after me Anyway I want to shut up about it, but uh, I think it was a good example of how ruthless Superior Spider-Man well, I remember be with Peter his had, victims.
2: He had a hard time adjusting to normal life after he came back. He did because yeah, he had the uh, whole fire. he had his whole lab and everything that he was in charge of and all that. And... Well, that and
1: Otto had fallen in love uh, with a, uh, a girl at the lab. who yeah, When his, Peter came yeah, back, right. he was like, he had, oh, "I don't love want you. Nothing to do with her." <laughs> yeah. That's right. But uh, it was a good series. If you haven't checked it out, the Superior Spider-Man strongly recommend it.
3: Yeah, I loved the entire run. What I loved in the very beginning of it, that really set the tone, was when, Oct. Doc Ock punches somebody seriously for the first time as Spider-Man and realizes all his life Parker was pulling his punches
1: (laughs) he had never ever
3: punched Ock with his full strength before and he realized that Peter was never living up to his potential because he didn't want to hurt anybody
1: that's incredible
3: that was just the most brilliant scene and then Doc Ock gets so pissed that Peter never finished college that he gets his own doc. He gets a doctorate as Peter.
1: Uh, the whole series is fucking awesome. <laughs> it's it's just it's gorgeous. And you know way more about it it seems than I do. Again, I got in late on it and I'm still filling the gaps uh, as time goes on. But um, I mean one one big thing for me that I've mentioned on this show a few times is when. Peter finally does get the body back in the midst of a Green Goblin fight. Yeah, I'll never forget when you were telling me that, telling that story. Goblin can see through Ox's facade a mile away, and he knows he can beat him and mess with him. And when Peter comes back, when he drops that first smart-ass line, like, hey, nice purse, (laughs) Gobby, you see his eyes dilate like oh, shit, (laughs) this is the real Spider-Man. You know, I love that moment. I will never forget that. But anyway, the Superior Spider-Man annual is what I had there. And I, again, strongly recommend checking it out.
3: It actually runs parallel to when they switched over because Doc Ock went to prove that he was Peter's greatest villain. It wasn't wasn't the Goblin. It wasn't Green Goblin. It was him. He was the superior foe of Spider-Man, and he utterly beat and destroyed Peter. It was devastating, devastating to see Parker completely and utterly lose and know he's lost.
1: I'm so glad that I've found someone who has a good appreciation for the series. Most time when I bring this up, I mean, not here, but uh, <laughs> what other are you people. To say? <laughs> no, other people have been like, "Oh, that was crappy," or "Ooh, that was like." They group it with like the Clone Sagas and stuff. I'm like, "Why?" That's because they didn't read it. Exactly. I, I can almost guarantee.
3: Um, I was surprised at how long they went with it. And right. it, it is really weird not having Parker, the Joker, in the universe. Because it really is. It's a totally different comic. It was a great set of stories because the, the thing that worked was Dan Slott.
1: Oh, always, yeah.
3: Dan Slott is the most long-term plotter planner ever. <laughs> and he pays off everything. And he remembers and brings back everything. And he'd been doing the run for like I don't know five years by that point.
1: Yeah, a long so, time. Is he still doing it?
3: Uh, no, he he left not too long after Superior Spider-Man.
1: About the time I ducked out with Dan Slott was Spider-Man uh, like worldwide. I don't know if you remember that at Something all. And
2: then renewing your vows stuff came on.
1: It was uh, around the same time, if not right after Renew Your Vows. I enjoyed that. That was good, the Renew Your Vows miniseries. But yeah, like when he uh, started like zipping around in a car and was like all over the world, I was kind of growing a little disinterested personally. But that's how Spider Man's always been for me. I come and go, come and go from the story.
3: Well, and that, that was actually the end of the uh, Superior Spider Man story because it was basically Parker going, hey, Doc Ock built me this worldwide corporation. I get to be Iron Man now. And I'm worldwide Spider-Man. And it didn't even last nine issues before Parker screws it all up and <laughs> loses everything and everybody hates it.
1: Really? I See, I should have stuck with it. I should have stuck through it. Well, it was kind of corny and goofy. It was.
3: At the time. But it pays. That's the thing about slot. One issue, sometimes it doesn't work, but the whole thing it always pays off, but mm. the best slot miniseries series was Spider Island.
1: You know, I've got I've got that, and I still haven't read it. Do you? I do. I, if you
3: don't I, have it? Get it in a collection and a trade. Spider Island is great. All of New York gets turned into spiders.
1: I, I was buying it as uh, they were all coming out, but the Battle World was coming out. You know how I do with comics? I'll go buy ten. I'll read five, and the others get yeah. boxed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I need to read it. Very good. This has been some awesome this what a good comic vault yeah. since we're going out yeah, you really know. Like, this is one of the last. So Yeah,
0: thanks for beefing us up, Scott.
1: <laughs> yeah, putting us really showing us a thing or two about some comics here.
3: Well if you, if you'd seen if this were video and you see my office, you'd understand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's talk about a few more comics here that have your name on them, Supermom and Delta Dawn. Uh, Scott, I want to thank you again for uh, being here with us today. And again, this has been an awesome conversation up to this point and expect it to keep going as such. But can you tell us, uh, our listeners, a little bit about uh, our Supermom and Delta Dawn? I don't like to take liberties on them myself in describing these books to people because in the past I've gotten in trouble. That For giving out spoilers and stuff. So I find it better to let the artist do so.
3: Well, I actually have a whole Scott verse, which actually started in my first comic, which was Raymond Hardcase.
1: Okay, I did see that on the website.
3: Yeah, it it was a cross between the Fugitive and the Justice League, where a Charlie Sheen-type superhero, who's just a complete jerk, never wore a mask, everybody thinks he's a scumbag, gets (laughs) accused of murder— and, and they all go, well, of course you did it. That's the kind of stupid thing. He, nobody expected he actually, it was an accident. They all believed it was an accident, but they all believed he did it. And I've been using that universe ever since. And all of my comics take place in the same thing. And I have a couple novels. I have a couple game supplements. I have a RPG module and we've got an entire two character rosters out there. And we even made a trading card game at one point.
1: I noticed uh, the business cards that uh, you had lent us to put on the table there looked very much like uh, trading-slash-playing cards. Are these the same cards you speak of?
3: Yeah, well, I had a blast with that. At one convention, I, you know, I was doing the handouts like every other comic creator, and I saw one of my um, postcard-sized cards laying next to a trash can when I went to the bathroom, and I was going Aww. like, Oh, what a a stab to the gut. And I said, you know what? I need to make these collectible. This is a comic audience. People collect things. So, and the other thing that I didn't, I had a problem with was our Supermom was my main comic at the time. And we always have mom and the kids on the cover. The artists that kept doing the very first one did a wraparound cover. And most of the other artists that I brought on board did a wraparound cover for the same price as a regular cover, just because it was fun. And we always would put the family in the front, but Dad would always be in the back. (laughs) So Dad's Hispanic, and Mom's Caucasian, and the kids are super Caucasian. They're blonde, white-skinned. Mom's dark-haired. They don't match. It was a not-well-done story, I gotta admit. But every time you see the covers it doesn't seem like there's any nationality to my comics. And I have a plethora of characters and I use every, every skin tone, every nationality. It doesn't matter. I use it. And I said, I need to show people the other characters that they're not getting to experience by just seeing the covers. So I made nine trading cards and I featured a different character on each one. So this way I could show people the range of characters that I had. Okay, And I said, and I'll make them my business cards, and they'll be collectible. And I couldn't leave well enough alone, so I made them like Pokemon cards. <laughs> and I came up with stats and figured them all out and that proportion, because I'm a freaking geek. <laughs> so they came out looking really good, and I printed a 1,000 of each, so I had 9,000 cards. And I've been passing these out for a long time. What I did at what they were so popular, at one point... I started taking nine of them and putting them in card sleeve sheets, and I was selling my business cards as a complete collectible set.
1: Oh, wow. You were selling them?
3: Yep, I was selling it for 2 bucks.
1: Very nice. They are cool
2: cards, that's for sure. They look like a regular collectible card.
3: And people loved it, and everybody started asking me, well, where's the game? Where's the game? And I said, all right, all right, all right. So I made a collectible card game out of it, and I made sure that the trading cards... The, the card game is the exact same size As my business card So if you use card sleeves like magic players do You can use The business cards in the game
1: That is freaking cool and what a great idea I mean like you said you know You did this because I'm a geek but that's That's your, that's your demographic mm-hmm. You know so I mean this of course This is going to resonate I mean I know the first time You know Randy put them in my hands I was like I told you I was like these yeah. are freaking Cool yeah. like I've never seen business cards Like this
2: are the business cards like special power, power cards that make you stronger out of the game itself?
3: No, they just—they're just a regular set of the of the characters. They're not. When I made the trading card game, if I use the same character, I use different art, hmm. even if the cards the same. So these are variant cards, I guess. Variants, yeah. But right. uh, th- the best thing about these cards is that when I hand them to kids. They go like, oh my gosh, look what I got. Ah! <laughs>
1: it's gold. Yeah. Yeah. It like, looks like a looks magic gold. or Pokemon mm-hmm. or any, you know, those yep. kind of cards for sure.
3: And they're so well laminated that I hand them to the little kids and they're munching on them and they're, and they're, 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 they're that kid's going to destroy it in two seconds. No, they're treasuring it and, that's
1: hilarious. <laughs> so, it's really cool. I, you know, I'm curious, though. You, you say all these universes are, uh, you know, or they're not all different universes. They're all in the same universe. So have these characters crossed paths? Are they talking with the or yep. know each other yet?
3: Yes, they all cross paths and they all know each other. Perfect. Um, strangely, there's only been one character that's shown up in every iteration of everything. And that's Kinne. Um, She's my Irish firebrand who has fire powers and has a bit of a mouth on her, has a bit of an attitude, and she just keeps writing herself into everything that I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and
3: I've, the fun part is bringing her into all... Some, my comics range in different ages. Every time I do a different series, I target a different age group. Our Supermom was meant to be an all-ages comic. So when you put Kine in there, you got to be really careful, because it's not (laughs) PG-13. Right. It's PG. How do you censor someone that clearly needs censoring? But I made it work, and it's hilarious now because Kine is the vice principal in Delta Dawn, and our supermom is a superhero paragon, and she's the principal at the school. So I have them as principal and vice principal, and I'm just having a blast with it.
0: That's
3: awesome. It's my take on X-Men.
1: That's, yeah, that's what I was kind of gathering. And even better, set right here in our hometown, Columbus, mm-hmm. Ohio. Why, what was the uh, inspiration? That just was it just simply, uh, is it hometown pride, or is, is there another reason you chose to base this in Columbus?
3: Well, it's a, little, it's a little bit of both. Hard Case takes place in New York, like every comic is supposed to. And when I started doing Our Supermom, I wanted to base it more local because my artist at the time was local. It wasn't Columbus area, but he was in Columbus a lot. Okay. And I wanted to base it more in the real world. My comics take place on an alternate Earth. So most of the real world things that have happened have happened in the comics. And so I use real world locations often. And since he had a lot of references from Columbus... We decided to set it in Columbus because we could put real buildings and real places in there. Right. We've also put Indianapolis in the comics. We put Chicago in the comics.
1: Just opening the front cover to Delta Dawn, you know, you immediately that first panel I saw uh, the the short north <laughs> the short north arch, which is what 15, 20 minutes from mm-hmm. where we sit right now. So yeah, it really helps uh, ground it for you. You know,
3: it helps the artists because you're not creating everything whole cloth. And most artists were going to take real-world photos anyway and alter them. So I figured, let's just use real locations and get a good feel for it. We had fun destroying the uh, Columbus Convention Center, where I was doing a show at the Columbus Convention Center. I had my comics in the comic store at the Columbus Convention Center, and then we destroyed it. That's awesome. (laughs) It's just fun to do that kind of stuff. Why Columbus? It was more the location... Based on the artist, what, that was the nearest city he was to. Um, I'm from Cleveland, uh, originally from Cleveland. I've been in Dayton, well, Dayton and Yellow Springs area for 15 years now. No,
1: no but, kidding. Uh, I love Yellow Springs.
3: I uh, I did a Godzilla one off little bit, that dest- a big mecha Godzilla that destroys uh, public square in Cleveland. Wow. It's just a blast awesome. to put real locations.
2: You always see it in New York, but be seeing somewhere local, it's always. Makes it feel kind of well, good. It's so refreshing when it's not New oh, York. Yeah. You
1: know, it's like how many times can New York take a beating? Come on.
3: Well, so, when I was in Chicago, my my artist at the time was from North Dakota, so he'd never been to Chicago. No, I take it. I take it back. He used to visit Chicago, but he hadn't been there in a long time. So I took a bunch of photos of the area. And if you have ever been in Millennium Park, they have a water park section with these two big towers that are like glass brick and they have digital images that appear on them and water shoots out of the mouths of little babies at one point. <laughs>
1: wow.
3: And when I took a shot of that and when the artist redid it, he is, he had just had his baby. His first child was just born and the digital image is actually his baby. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. It just it's, If you're going to do this stuff, you got to have fun with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it seems like you are having a lot of fun. And they're both beautiful books.
3: I've always tried to put out books that are as good as, or better than most of what's out there. Now, Marvel and DC, they can afford to have some beautiful books. But they also put out some real garbage books.
1: Yeah. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Isn't that the truth?
3: And I've tried to keep the quality high enough that... I'm running toe-to-toe with them. And Delta Dawn, the art and the color in it is just beautiful.
1: I would have to agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the Supermom, I mean, our Supermom, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting to put our on the front of that, our Supermom. Um, I I love, uh, I think you're doing a good job with the black and white medium. You know, there's people that uh, when they do black and white sometimes don't nail it, and you're not one of them. I I really enjoy uh, the way that book looks.
3: All art credit for that goes to the other Scott. It was hilarious when I hired him. I had already started calling my imprint Scott Comics.
2: <laughs>
3: it's funny because so I hire an artist named Scott, and all of a sudden there's two Scotts, and so everyone figures that's why it's called Scott's Comics. No, <laughs> <laughs> but Scott Simmons did a wonderful job. I would give him outlines of like what what is in each kid's room because. I specifically had all kinds of details that I think matter to a story that most people will gloss over. Like the daughter, I wanted her to be interested in science, specifically. Okay. She loves space, she loves NASA, and so everything in her room is not the girly stuff that you would normally put in a girl's room. The uh, younger son, Marky, Marky's just a goofy kid and just likes whatever he likes. Simmons sketched out the floor plan of the entire house. And so you get camera angles where you're in one kid's room and you can see stuff in the other kid's room. And then they switch perspectives and it's in the right place. That's all him. I mean, I told him what things I want in the rooms, but he created all the beautiful camera angles so you get that 3D sense that you're walking around things. We even used the uh, floor plan sketch at one point when we had the kids, spoiler, the kids get powers too. And at one point, Marky's got super speed and he's running home to tell dad something. And we have him going super speed through the uh, house and we use the floor plans that Scott de- generated.
1: You mean so just like mapping just... out his, like where yeah. he was going and stuff? Yeah, that's really neat.
3: So here's the background of the, of the two books since we mentioned them. Our super mom, the reason our super mom exists is after Hard Case, it was grim and gritty, classic dark, 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 and then it gets darker storyline. And I like comedy, and I wanted to do something different. And I was thinking I was going to do something like Teen Titans. Something silly and fun. And I was at a convention. It was mid-Ohio Con, as a matter of fact. And I was looking around, and I realized half the audience had become female. I don't know when the switch... I don't know when the switch over came. And it wasn't just girlfriends. It was female geeks going to comic conventions... It was girls and their friends hanging out in cosplay. It was the first time I was seeing a lot of babies at a show. Hmm. And I'm going like, no one's writing kids' comics anymore, and no one's writing comics for women. Everyone around me is writing hack-and-slash zombie stuff. In the marketing world, they call that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> in the market. So I said, okay, I'm going to write a comic about a female superhero, and I'm going to give her a family. And... Right away, that's rare in comics. Other than the Fantastic Four, it's really hard to find families in comics, especially with the one thing... Here's how I pitch this. She's fully clothed, nobody's dead, they're happily married, and I can still tell stories. Right there, I just broke every comic trope that there is. Because life... And then I always follow up with life doesn't end at marriage. And then, you know, ha, 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 ha. But that's true. So when I came up with that concept... I was going like, when I came up with the f- female superhero, I was going, what would be different about a female superhero that a male hero would never face? And I came up with the superhero as a job. That's my career. What happens when I have a child? What do I do with my career? And most women face that situation at some point. And the counter to that is the classic superhero, I'm Spider-Man. I'm never going to quit being Spider-Man. Oh, this is horrible. And he throws his suit in a trash can and he walks away. No more Spider-Man. Well, he goes back and picks it up. Right. You can't ever not be a hero. And I thought that was a perfect. She actually retires because her kids are more important than being a hero. And the entire series is about the conflict of her making that choice. And her old lifestyle impinging on her new world. And by the end of it, by the end of the 12 issue arc, and it's one big 12 issue story in three arcs that are standalone stories. At the end of it, she decides she needs to get back in the world. She brought something different to the table that other heroes don't. And she decides to train the next generation of heroes. And that's Delta Dawn.
1: Oh, okay. snap. That's full awesome. circle.
3: <laughs> Very that's good. There so that's how it all connects and and in Delta Dawn Delta Dawn is for mature audiences <laughs> and it got it, it was all the storylines that I couldn't use in our Supermom because like eh, that's a little too hard to do but in Supermom I don't pull a lot of punches like I have grandma calling up half speaking in Spanish complaining that uh what are you doing with that white woman? Who's She's a floozy. <laughs> Get rid of her. Like, grandma, stop. <laughs> and I put all the risque stuff in Spanish, so people reading me were like, ah, what, 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 we have the racist grandma going, what are you doing? So I, I tackled a lot of tough stuff. I tackled homeschooling. Marky, when he develops powers, becomes super strong and super fast, just like mom. But imagine a toddler with super strength, dangerous.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That would be nuts, wouldn't it? Hell of a time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Worse than And Jack the first Jack. scene
3: I show it, he's at uh, preschool and, you know, they're playing with trucks and he makes this truck go vroom and it bashes through the school wall. And all the kids are going, cool. And i are going, wow. And you just show that. And I have the preschool teacher behind you just utter panic. <laughs> and it ties, and that's an example of how I tie them all together. In hard case, the main hero hard cases, his ability is he's as strong and as indestructible as he wills himself to be, but it takes focus. By default, he's a little tougher than normal. So if you attacked him in his sleep, he'd still be okay. But for him to really hulk out, he basically has to stay still because it takes all of his focus. I gave him a brother, and that's this is when I was destroying Chicago. His brother's at a mental institution in Chicago because when his brother got into the powers, he was the kind of kid that had control issues and destroyed his entire home and killed his parents. Ooh. Because of that, a law was created that... If a person has powers that are considered a danger to society, special laws are allowed to be applied and civil liberties get removed.
1: Sounds like that. What if episode we were doing, what if uh, superpower beings existed? Mm-hmm. We talked about that exact same yeah. kind of thing, didn't we?
3: Yeah, way before Brightburn did it. <laughs> 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 and so I bring, in that, I bring in that law that said Marky can't go to school anymore because he's a danger to the other kids. So he has to be homeschooled now. So I tie them all together. And Delta Dawn, not only does she agree to train the next generation, what she did is she wants to have a school that mixes heroes, kids with powers, and regular kids. She thinks it's like special ed. She wants inclusion.
0: Right. She
3: doesn't want people raised separately. She wants people to know each other. So she wanted to do a STEM school. The agreement was... If she runs a Delta Force team, which is my kind of shield, if she runs a Delta Force team for the Midwest and trains the next generation of adult heroes, they will fund the STEM school. And kids are bust or flown in from all around the, like a five state area in the Midwest to go to the school. And by doing that, I get to have all kinds of fun because I bring in all kinds of different locations. Just this latest issue, um, I wanted to have a terrorist scene where they were threatening one of the super-powered kids because they're normal. It's normals versus freaks. I see. I'm kind of doing the X-Men, but... <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, some militant guys wanting to make a stand by taking a... Basically, going to strap a bomb to a kid.
2: Oh, snap.
3: Who, who's got... Who's clearly not normal because she's got dog ears and pink hair.
1: I, I can see <laughs> how that might invite some prejudice. <laughs> yeah.
3: So she's a freak, so they're going to strap a bomb to her and blow her up in, on the news. Wow. And I wanted to do this at a comic store because, hey, let's blow up a comic store. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. so I did it at my friend's comic store, Aw oh Yeah Comics, up in Muncie. And I went up there and did a full photo shoot. We got all the different camera angles, and Christy appears in the comic. And it's
1: just it's just a blast. It sounds like you are having a really good time writing all these. I mean, you can hear the passion in your voice when you're talking about these stories. It's really awesome. I, I, I enjoy what we've seen thus far and just any kind of universe building. I'm a part. of I, I, I just support. I yeah. love, mm-hmm. love, love that. And again, especially if that universe takes place right around where we live. Right. right. Come on. Come on. Now, it's funny you had mentioned uh, the Scotts Comics web domain earlier because when I uh, typed that in, it then directed me to looks uh, Corgi Press. is that correct? Yep. So well, is that me, where I should direct I, everyone to go?
3: Yep, Corgipress dot com. I started out as Scott Comics because I wanted to promote me and try to get my name out there and you know, maybe write for somebody that will pay me instead of me paying artists. Sure. <laughs> didn't work so i said okay i need a corporate mascot i need a logo and i have a corgi and i as soon as i got a corgi i discovered the world of corgis i was completely (laughs) unknown to me until i got the dog and oh my god i had no idea how much people love corgis
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's it's ravenous right
3: yep it's ravenous so i said okay He's my Mickey Mouse, so I put him on everything and changed my um, imprint to Corgi Press.
1: I like the way he looks there. Does he have little 3D glasses on, too? Is that what I'm seeing?
3: Actually, he has dichromatic eyes. One's brown, one's blue.
2: Oh, no kidding. Party and eyes.
3: He's, he's like that in real life.
2: Oh, yeah, with a domino mask on him. Yeah, and oh, what I, I did, see.
3: What I did for the card game is the heroes, he's wearing a mask, and for the villains, he's got a... a Handlebar mustache and a
2: little goatee. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and that evil look.
1: Yeah, now that I'm looking at it, he clearly, uh, yeah, clearly <laughs> is not wearing 3D glasses. Yeah. Maybe I need new glasses, <laughs> The would
3: Well, maybe I just did a bad mask. I don't
1: know. No, but no, no. Uh, no. I, I was looking at oh. it from across the table.
3: Well, and this is the perfect segue because I need to talk about my Kickstarter.
1: Oh, you have a Kickstarter.
3: I have a Kickstarter because I also do children's books. What's and your... The, don't take place in my comic universe. Okay. In all the times I would spend hunting for new artists at comic shows, I would run into people that, I don't want to do a comic with you. I want to do something else. Your style is great. And so I've been doing children's books, illustrated books. I just love it because artists love to have that ability to
1: just stretch. and
3: Right.
1: Get their hands into something different.
3: And uh, the one that I'm currently doing... And the Kickstarter is going on right now. You can get on it right now. And please get on it because I really want to make this book. It's Anthony Fox Does Not Believe in Ghosts. And if you just put Anthony Fox into Kickstarter, it'll pop right up. The entire story is about a fox who's too wise and too smart to believe in ghosts. And the ghosts are trying to convince him they are real. (laughs) And he tries to convince the ghosts they aren't.
1: I did see this on your website, actually. Yes, I was. Uh, I really enjoyed the way that looked too.
3: And Angela Fuller did the art for this, and she's known for doing really cute but spooky things. There's this is the, the fine line between adorable and gothic. And as soon as I saw her art, um, we we had both been in an anthology together. She had the last story. I had the third story. And I had commented to her, because we were all put in the same Facebook group, that I thought her story finished off the anthology perfectly. And she goes, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we hit it off from there, because she loved my story. That was her favorite one of the book. Don't tell anybody else that, that's a secret. But she liked my story. That story was a blast. I gotta go on a side tangent on that one. I did uh, a Sesame Street monster that was laid off and is now a drunk in a bar.
1: Is it Big and Bird it was, by chance? Is it Big Bird?
3: No, it was, it was a cookie. It was, it was a Cookie Monster type thing called Letter Monster, and the, <laughs> and the title was "B is for Boobs." It sure. Is. Was, no, it was "B is for Beer." Uh, oh, the song <laughs> with all the things that he loves that are named beer. So, anyway, Anthony Vox. It's it's a gorgeous book. It's spooky. It's all ages. Kids third grade and up should be able to read it themselves.
1: It looks good. It looks like it'd be a good addition in uh, any library. I've got a little thumbnail up for it right here. And I love how that artwork is on it. Yeah, there. it's gorgeous. It's really good. It has a classic look to it almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very good.
0: How long is the uh, Kickstarter running for? I think it's got 10
1: there's, more days. I think there's,
0: yeah, 10 more days? Yeah. It's, yep. it's getting close to the end.
1: So in this episode, we'll be going up here in just a few days on the... Uh, what is today? It'll be going up on the 6th. So... That'll leave About what
2: five more days, somewhere five
1: six more days there yeah. to jump on board, and we'll also be putting that on our Facebook and social media. So uh, yeah, man, we'll push as many people over that way as possible. Because again, that is freaking gorgeous. Yeah.
3: And see, I'm I'm kind of dumb in that as a writer, I could just write novels where I don't need to work with anybody, <laughs> aside from you need a lot of editors when you're writing novels. I love making comics. I love making illustrated books. That's the stuff I grew up on. That's the stuff I love. But, oh, my gosh, is it expensive?
1: Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, we hear it time and time mm. again. Not a cheap thing to get in on. Especially the print and part. I pay my
3: artists, too. love
1: <laughs> Yeah, oh, we've heard a combat. lot of the stories of people getting stood up by uh, other artists, right? <laughs> yeah. We've heard it all here, I think.
3: I've found out uh, long after the fact I've been paying my rate for our Supermom, I found out that I was paying more than the third tier companies were paying.
1: Wow, that's I that's... now
3: pay my what I pay my colorist is better than what most of the comic companies pay their colorists. I don't feel that bad about my rates. I used to feel like oh, I used to feel really bad because I knew the artists deserve more than they were getting. Right, and so I always promote them. I always give them copies of the books. I bring them to I bring them to shows and put them in for free signings, and I let them. Sit at my table and and collect sketches and do stuff for other people, and I don't take any of that cut. I do everything I can to promote them.
1: Yeah, well, we're going to be helping you do just that, promote this. Yeah, so uh, yeah, again, on our website, uh, on our Twitter, Facebook, all the happy places that be, we're going to be pushing this out there uh, for the people to see, and just the best of luck to you on your Kickstarter, and you've got some solid comics here, and man, continue
2: building that awesome universe. Thank you much. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com, where you can check out show highlights, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, buy some merch, become a patron, see some of our YouTube videos. Uh, and if you'd like to promote your work, send us an email on your on our contacts page.
1: There it is. There it is. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And again, if you're a fan and want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash pod And for $5 a month, you can get yourself uh, access to the Candair Patreon Pod. What else we got? What else we Society got? Society Six. Society it's Six. Go to the website, there's a merch button. You can yep. just click right there. It'll take you right there. It's easier than trying to type in all that bullshit we always tell you to type in, right? <laughs> and also uh, in your podcast player of choice, if you search what, or excuse me, if you search air Productions. You not only will see this show, but you'll see our other show come up, uh, What If, uh, where we offer a simple, like the old Marvel comics, we offer a simple twist on reality. What if people could fly? What if uh, upcoming one is What If the Wheel Had Never Been Invented? We just did What If uh, Genie's Lamp Had Been Discovered? We talked for about 45 minutes on the said twist on reality, and mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. So check that out uh, at whatifpod.com, or again, search Candare Productions, your podcast player of choice. And my God, people, how many times have we got to tell you if you're going to a Wizard World con, can dare it, check out in the promo box, get you that 10% off your ticket prices. You can't beat it. You really can't. So don't forget, your boys, when you're buying your tickets. Anything else, gentlemen? Like Pixar? <laughs> well said, Jack. And with that, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm, I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And Scott Pocky. Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: That's like your sixth try. You obviously don't have any talent. Have you thought of giving up? Maybe I should just try again. Maybe you should try listening to
1: Canned Air Podcast. Well, at least now I know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I thought I heard you say something, Scott. Did you not?
3: No, but... I could go Bye. right, ahead. <laughs> right <laughs> go ahead. for it man Oh my god it was late
2: You know a lot can happen in 7 minutes and luckily that's how long it takes me to tell a story My name is Aaron Calafato and I'm the creator of 7 minute stories I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style and together we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling and all in approximately seven
3: minutes.